Gen X Playback, episode number four. And welcome everybody back to Gen X Playback for our fourth episode in our series on the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're so glad that you could join us for our conversation on yet another topic. I am Scott. And I am Sean. And we are the Brothers High. And we, again, can't thank uh, thank th- can't thank everybody enough for listening to uh, to our little reminiscence of, of days gone by and brings back some nice memories. And it doesn't matter how old you are, but if you uh, grew up during those times or lived during those times, then there's, there's something for everybody here, I think, in, in Gen X Playback. So in the past, in episode number one, we talked music, Sean. In mm-hmm. episode number two, we talked television. In episode three, we talked a little bit of sports and entertainment, but a little bit more United States culture. So now we're going to ch- you know, change gears yet again, and we're going to head into the movie genre or just entertainers themselves. But you wanted to talk about Tom Hanks this week. I did. And, you know, when... Because we want to talk about some different subjects, you know, obviously, you know, Scott just said, you know, we have the music, which is going to be a common theme, you know, throughout our show. But, you know, to me, I was thinking, you know, what's next? You know, we do television, which is big. And but but for me, the third thing always was movies. And, you know, in episode number one, when we we did our our, uh, the the 1983 countdown, um, we talked about how so many movies were kind of intertwined with uh, with the music videos that we watched. So as a result, you know, even if we didn't necessarily watch a movie, we were very aware of it. And it especially during the 80s, you would always get a, a video that was put out, you know, a song, you know, for, from the soundtrack and to promote the movie. So as I was thinking about that, like, how could we bring movies into it? I was thinking, like, who was one of the biggest icons of gen x and you know, i'll tell you truthfully the first name that popped in my head was tom hanks okay. and and part of the reason was is because it, and we'll, we'll talk about that you know he starts out on television and kind of makes his way kind of some you know campy quirky 80s type of movies and then in the 90s becomes the biggest star in the world which seeing the transformation over not even 20 years was, was was amazing and then you know today tom x is is arguably still one of the biggest actors in the world i think you know you and i we had the sort of the privilege of getting the opportunity to jump on the tom hanks bandwagon at a very early age mm-hmm. because you and i loved the first tv show that he was ever a part of and when you talked about um you know actors or who the big actors were at that time certainly tom hanks doesn't come to mind when you're looking at 1980 you're probably looking at burt reynolds Mm -hmm. you know clint eastwood harrison ford even mark hamill because of star wars but there was there was some a lot of names out there but yet i know you and i both really liked the tom hanks persona and his the characters that he played in the movies that he was in right away i mean i We'll we'll talk about it here in just a little bit, but yeah, we 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 picked Tom Hanks because from day one we were we were fans, right? Does it have something to do with our ages at the time? So Tom Hanks and you know we we alluded to the television show, so he breaks onto the scene uh, on uh, Bosom Buddies, um, a, a, a really funny show. Uh, you know, at the time I am twelve years old in 1980. You know, you're three years younger, you're, you're nine. So our sense of humor 
probably wasn't as fully developed as later on, so we kind of liked the the knee slappers. It was a slapstick comedy, yeah. It, it, it was. It played right to us. Granted, the subject matter was, you know, was, was for little kids, it probably is a little racy uh, at, at the time, uh, but, and I... I I got some of the jokes. I didn't get all of the jokes later on. I was like, "Oh, okay, I see what they're getting yeah. at with that." But it there it, it was a show where it was kind of like Three's Company in a way, where it was you could as a little kid you could still get into the humor, the slapstick humor, the fact well, it, it so let it, give the plot kind of the show for the background for those who who don't know the show. So, um Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari who were friends before they uh, started the TV show? They uh, the premise of the show is that they they play um, Kip and Henry, and they are roommates, but they also work at the same advertising agency. They're living in a in an apartment that gets demolished as they're sleeping in it, mm-hmm. so they have to leave immediately. So now they are living in Manhattan, New York City, very expensive place to live, and now they need to find a place to stay. So one of their friends at the office, Amy, right, has them uh, recommends the building that she lives in, and it just happens to be called the Susan B. Anthony um, Hotel. Hotel, which is strictly for women only; no men are allowed. The, so, the plaque said so right there in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Kip and Henry have to dress, disguise themselves as women, so that they can gain entrance and live in this this dirt cheap apartment building. That they can that they could uh, stay in New York City and and continue to work. And they actually played their sisters. Yes, Buffy and Hildy. Buffy and Hildy. Uh, they would every day they would dress and drag to leave their apartment. Then they somewhere between the apartment and the office change clothes, and then repeat the step back and forth and back and forth. So it was very well received by the critics because it was a smartly written show. A lot of lot of jokes. Um, yeah, you know, some pretty famous actresses that were people that had good careers. Um, particularly if you're if you're familiar with the mom in Two and a Half Men, she played uh, their boss at the advertising agency, and Donna Dixon, mm-hmm. who ended up becoming Mrs. Dan Aykroyd, she was the uh, kind of the bombshell of the of the show. Sunny, was that her name? Yes. Yeah. And then Telma Hopkins, who previously in a previous life sang backup with Tony Orlando and Dawn. And she ended up having a long acting career. If anybody listening to the show watched the TV show Family Matters with Steve Urkel, she was on that show for quite a long time as uh, as one of the aunts to the kids on the show. It so. was a really good cast, and you know, obviously at twelve, I you know I can't say that I was you know understood good writing, but that it, they were very talented. You know, Peter Scolari, he went on to have a really nice career. Now, now he's passed away just a few years ago. But he had the type of career that could probably be best described as just a professional actor. He, probably the most uh, well-known thing, at least that I knew that he did after Bosom Buddies, was The Newhart Show. Uh, another kind of 80s mm-hmm. um, iconic show that was out there. I, I thought he was really funny in that. He was very witty. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to play in so many other things, I think like Law and Order and, uh, you know, The Good Wife. And it, it, it's just like, it, when I looked at the list of things that he did, it, it was amazing. And I think that goes to show you what a good actor he was, that he could he could play a part. Yeah, and, and he's tried to stay around New York because he liked to do uh, Broadway. Sure. He liked to act on stage. So he 
he would do these bit parts, especially on Law and Order, mm-hmm. where he would go and do these these characters and these different episodes. And you know, it's a nice way to keep your earn your living and be able to stay in the acting world while continue to act on stage. And interestingly, uh, Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari remained friends throughout you know Peter's entire life, and they were you know very loyal to each other. When the the show started, they were at the same level. You know, they were they were just uh, you know a couple of young broke actors starting out and in a few years you know tom hanks not right away you know hit but his career definitely took off in a different direction but they, they never lost touch and even when tom hanks would uh go to broadway himself he would always have peter in whatever production that he was doing yeah so the show only lasted two seasons and we, we in episode number two when we talked about 1970s television we touched on a tv show that we liked called angie and Angie also only lasted two seasons. And you have to keep in mind, when, when ABC was going so strong and they dominated primetime like they did, they didn't, they didn't give shows much time to breathe and to sort of grow. You know, I think one of the shows that I think about particularly is Cheers. Cheers, when it started, was one of the lowest rated shows on TV at the time. And it wasn't until they changed time slots that people began to watch it and view it. And then it grew to be one of the better, more, more popular shows on TV. Uh, ABC at that time, it was you, you strike quickly or you're out. And Bosom Buddies struggled just a little bit in season two and they got pulled. And they, they made some odd changes to the plot in season two. They, they, for some reason decided it wasn't necessary for Kip and Henry to, uh, to keep everybody in the dark about who they were. So in season one, you know, all the other characters other than their friend Amy, no one knew that that Buffy and Hildy were Kip and Henry. In season two, they decided, okay, everyone's in on the gag, but the other residents of the hotel. So, you know, even the management knew. And everyone's like, well, we really like these guys. We're going to look a blind eye, but we're still going to make them dress up in drag (laughs) and come in and out so that the other residents don't think something's up. So... It, it kind of changed a little bit. I remember yeah. at the time, I thinking that was odd. And then Kip and Henry left and started their own ad Adver- agency. Advertising agency. And and um, I, I'm drawing a blank on what the mother's name is from Two and a Half Men, who was their boss. I, I remember she became the investor yes. in, in their firm. Yes. So the show gets canceled. Um, you don't really hear from, from Tom Hanks for about a year or so. And then all of a sudden he shows up on, on the next TV appearance as a guest uh, star and that would happen to be on the TV show Happy Days. He did, and it was it. It turned out to be a a very uh, important appearance for him. Not not so much for the payday that it was, or that it got a lot of notoriety, but it connected him with some people that would eventually make his career. So mm-hmm. it's it it was kind of during the end of Happy Days. So the the episode, um, it, I think it was in like eighty two or eighty three when it came out, and. In the episode, uh, Tom Hanks plays uh, someone who had been pushed off a swing by Fonzie in the third grade. So he holds this lifelong grudge against Fonzie, and he goes out, and it's his his life's purpose to seek revenge. So he becomes a black belt in karate, studies martial arts, yeah, <laughs> just so he can confront Fonzie. Uh, yeah, there's you know, not, not, don't want to spoil it for anybody out there. <laughs> it, it is on YouTube; you can go watch it. And uh, he lands this this big karate kick. Straight to Fonzie's chest, you know. Fonzie kind of lets him hit him. Fonzie goes smashing through the uh, through the window, 
and you know the, the Tom Hanks character thinks that he's you know he's one, and then all of a sudden hey, Fonzie comes walking back in, and hey. but he's the, but he's the bigger man. Yes. You know, Fonzie decides to you know let him go, and he, um, he makes him punch himself out. Remember, because he kept he kept missing, he kept hitting things, breaking boards. Uh, you know, the stage there was he that was next to the um, you know the dance floor. So he's he's breaking all these things because because Fonzie would just turn at the last possible minute and he would swing and miss. <laughs> and and for those of you who are interested, the character's name was Dwayne Twitchell. Dwayne Twitchell. That's so right. you know, you know that you may I don't know if, if people even play Trivia Pursuit anymore, but you know maybe you <laughs> went around with that one. So so he appears on Happy Days, and and li- I, I heard Tom Hanks interview and he said this is kind of a dark period for him, and he is not working, and he is you know he's trying to you know, land something and he is trying out for, for every movie and, he, you know, sitcoms and he's just doing this to try to pay his rent. And he said, you know, month to month, he doesn't know if he's going to pay his rent. I think sometimes for us uh, as audience members, we think that they, sometimes these, these actors have a perfect life. You know, we see him on TV and, you know, I can remember seeing him in the happy days up some, Hey, there's, Tom, you know, there's, there's Kip from Bosom Buddies. Well, he did appear in a movie before this, before 1982. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, you touched on it, so I thought it might be interesting to bring this up because you said about people, actors who need to work, you need a job. And one of the things that I, and I didn't write down the information, but because, but because I came across it and you just talked about it, the actress who played the main character in his cameo appearance in He Knows You're Alone. Right. I looked, I looked her up. And here she studied Juilliard and she's playing in a slasher movie. So obviously it, it, you know, it's just, it's just kind of funny because, you know, you think, Oh, Juilliard, you know, you're talking sure. about the, the best and the brightest and the cream of the crop. And, you know, here you ended up doing a, a not, I wouldn't say a low budget slasher movie, but you're talking about a horror movie that's modeled after Halloween and you, you got to work. You got you got to do something to pay the bills. You do, and even Tom Hanks studied Shakespeare at the Great Lakes Theater. So he, you know, he he goes from that to trying to make it, and how does he make it? But kind of makes it in comedy. Uh, you, you know, you talk about the movie. He knows you're alone, and and Tom will talk, bring that up, come up, and it'll come up in interviews sometimes because that's his first thing ever. It was during the time, you know, before Bosom Buddies actually, I think, aired. I think he made it, then Bosom Buddies aired. But you're, you know, as an actor, you're just trying to see what sticks. It, you know, I, you know, we'll talk about YouTube. You can watch his entire appearance on YouTube. They've, they've cut it down. And he's, he's actually pretty good. You, you can kind of see that Tom Hanks character. And, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, we're going to talk about is kind of how Tom changes his career a little bit. Mm-hmm. He goes from where he is a character and he plays kind of the same character. He does it really well, but he's not necessarily, doesn't become the accomplished actor where he's more taking on the part. Right. It's almost like he got hired as Tom Hanks for, for a role because they wanted that kind of talkative, kind of wisecracking, funny uh, you know, loud, off-the-cuff guy. Quick-witted. Quick-witted, yeah. yep. You know, yeah. you know, always kind of a ladies' man, always, you know, throwing the lines out there. And that's every role that he seemingly got for a while, that's what he got hired for. Right. So anyway, so he, did, you know, he had that little movie. But, you know, so during this time, he's, he's auditioning. and But he lands a role on maybe my favorite show of all time, Family Ties. Mm-hmm. And he plays, and this is season one of Family Ties, he plays Uncle Ned, uh, Elisa's brother. So uh, Uncle Ned appears, 
in like a two-part episode, and when when he's there, it, it turns out that he embezzled, I think, $4 million. So the FBI is after him. Well, Alex P. Keaton, who is Michael J. Fox's character right. on the show, idolized Uncle Ned. That's when, when you watch the show originally, it's about two former hippie parents, and they have three children. But one of the children, the oldest, Alex, is this ultra-conservative Republican, but... As you find out, as he goes to meet Uncle Ned, it's because Uncle Ned was kind of the ultra-conservative financial guru, the youngest vice president at the bank that he worked mm -hmm. at. And, and so that's sort of where the, the, the Alex P. Keaton character sort of evolved from, which was this Uncle Ned. So Uncle Ned's on, and it, extremely well-received. And you know the, the uh, creators of the show, the writers of the show loved him. They wanted to bring him back. During this time, he goes off and he makes a movie we're going to talk about next. Uh, he makes the movie Splash. So we'll, we'll get into Splash. But the little backstory is he, he does Splash. Splash becomes successful. They had signed Tom Hanks to do like three episodes uh, at, at the time. And they liked him so much they wanted to bring him back. And I guess Tom Hanks' manager said, well, absolutely not. He's, you know, he, he's a movie star now. He's, he's not doing your little show. Keep in mind, Family Ties is not huge at this point. It's still season one. And they said, and, and manager says, and even if he does agree to come back, well, you know, his rate's going to be super high. It's going to be off the charts. And the producer said, a couple minutes later, he goes, the phone rings. And it's Tom Hanks. And he said, what did they say to you? <laughs> and he goes, listen, he goes, he goes, number one, he goes, I would love to come back and do another episode. He goes, and number two, he goes, you can pay me exactly what you paid me the last time. And, you know, I think it was it's good to hear that, that, you know, that he was kind of stand up uh, a guy as far as that goes. And then later on with Family Ties, Michael J. Fox kind of does the same thing himself, uh, you know, when he becomes a big movie star and he's he stays loyal to the show. So it's kind of nice to hear that. Right. So he does he does he, he does splash. He's going to come back. He's going to do another episode of of where he's Uncle Ned. But this time, Uncle Ned become it, it is revealed that he's an alcoholic. Right. I can still remember it at the time. It, it kind of struck me because Tom Hanks is such a good actor and so likable as Tom Hanks in the roles that he's playing, especially at this time. When he's playing Uncle Ned, he is the, the most likable, lovable uncle that anyone could ever have. There's no doubt why Alex would have loved this guy. It, he would have been the guy that walked into the room and charmed everyone. And then he ends up having this, this problem and the family tries to send him off to, uh, to AA. He refuses to go. Uh, the, the scene is because Alex then pulls out these these press clippings he's keeping in his wallet mm -hmm. because it means so much to him and he's reading and, and Uncle Ned gets mad and he throws him into the fire and, and Alex kind of gets upset and then Uncle Ned ends up slapping Alex. And it's it's by doing that that he's he's horrified of what he's become and he agrees to you know make the call. You know, once again, sorry to spoil it for anybody, but it, it's been 40 years. You should yes. have seen it by yeah. now. Yeah, if you haven't seen it in 40 years, uh, sorry to Sorry to ruin it for you, but but anyway, so he comes back. He does that, and he comes back, and he's 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 really good in the role. But you know that does lead into where we're going to go now. Where from here on out, it's going to be Tom Hanks in his movie career. Yeah, and you know we already talked about this cameo appearance, and he knows you're alone. The movie Splash and Sean touched on it before. Really, the it was the Happy Days episode that right. sort of revolutionized his career moving forward because he met two of the writers on the show Happy Days, mm -hmm. and they were writing a screenplay. And they met Tom 
during the filming of Happy Days, and they were so charmed. You said charmed, but right. they were so charmed by him and his personality that they said he would be perfect to play the lead character in this movie that we're trying to get, you know, made, which is called Splash. And the and the premise of it is is a guy who is is successful, but uh, he ends up uh, falling in love with the the myth of this the, what he thinks is a mermaid. Or, or he was he, when he, he was falls young, into the water when he's a little boy. He was a little yeah. boy, and he gets he believes he gets saved, but he can't remember it. By there was a by, girl, by there. the girl, yeah, right. And so he's he's tortured by this through his adult life, and then he ends up meeting Daryl Hannah's character. And I'll let you go on with it. So go go ahead and continue. Well, he, the, you know, and and you definitely can't forget, uh, you know, his older brother, his older brother, who's you know, played played by John Candy, one of one of my favorite actors. Who, of all time. you know, so you know, little little backstory with that. When uh, you know Scott and I were talking about you know what movies we're going to do, and, and and I said I want to do Tom Hanks, and and your response was, okay, can we do John Candy? <laughs> and it was like absolutely. So John Candy's going to happen. Uh, just put that down. I, you know, this is. Not the not the only movie those two appear in together, and the you know the, the, there's great chemistry there. But you know with this movie, interestingly, you know with the Happy Days connection as well, it's directed by Ron Howard, and it's really Ron Howard's first major movie that he ever, you know, it it, it becomes something. So so the people that kind of make this movie at the time go on to become huge, but they were not back then. So they they've told the story that. They couldn't get anyone for this role. They 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 were offering around town, and and I'll give you an interesting name that was thrown out there, that was brought up for the for the role. And I, you probably heard this, but Steve Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. So Steve Gutenberg was just coming off the uh, Police Academy movies. Tom Hanks said he auditioned for the Police Academy movies, not necessarily for the Gutenberg role, right? But anything because he was desperate and he got turned down. So you think about this, Tom Hanks, who is who, who has his pick of anything right. these days, couldn't get a role in the Police Academy franchise. Now keep in mind, Steve Gutenberg was pretty hot at the time because he had done Police Academy and the movie Cocoon. Right. So he had, you know, at any point in his career, this this was he this was the most going on for him right now. But here's here's the interesting thing, and I'll give a shout out to one of our listeners, Glenn Black, who who brought this to my attention when he said when I you know mentioned about doing Tom Hanks, and he said basically how he and Steve Gutenberg were the same character through that for like a five year period mm-hmm. through the eighties. It you could almost see when they were when they were putting scripts around town that they would say, well, we want somebody like Hanks or we want somebody like Gutenberg. I mean, it's, you know, can we get either one? And if not, if, is there that, you know, you know, kind of funny, charming guy that we can put in this role? Right. So, you know, they, they, they kind of get this, the movie becomes Tom Hanks' as, as an afterthought. Uh, you know, like I said, John Candy plays the, the older brother, Freddie, who, who's really good. And of course, for those of you who know John Candy, and when we do, we're going to get into his background on SCTV. And I love the fact that the SCTV folks... Uh, you know, they, the, the Canadian version, kind of, you know, the SNL of, of Canada, they're very loyal to each other. Yeah. And they, they when they, one gets a role, it seems like someone else gets a role. Well, yeah, because you said John Candy, Eugene yeah. Levy is also in this movie as the professor. He so. is, he is. And it's, it's one of the first times that you would have seen Eugene Levy outside of SCTV. He, you know, he would have been in some other things, you know, 
Uh, he was, uh, you know, family vacation. He's the used car salesman. He's the car salesman. Yeah. yeah. But he's certainly not, you know, the big star, that very recognizable person that you'd know today. Right. Yeah. So Splash ends up turning into one of the, it was a summer movie. It turns out being the surprise hit of the summer. And just, just to throw some numbers out at you, the, it, against a budget of only $11 million, it made $69 million internationally, which back then was, was a, that was considered a hit. If you made a hundred million dollars, it was a blockbuster. If you made that fifty to seventy-five million range, that was a hit movie, and and this was high up in that area. It even got nominated for an Academy Award for Best Screenplay. It was also to add to those numbers, it was the tenth highest-grossing film of nineteen eighty-four. Right. It it was definitely part of the pop culture. It, it I remember kids at school talking about seeing this movie. So you know, Hanks is kind of he's he's. He's broadening his reach a little bit, and it's it's a romantic lead. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not uh, Uncle Ned. He's not playing Kip or Buffy. He, you know, he's he's definitely kind of taking a, a little more of a serious role. Uh, I, when he was interviewed, I heard him say that uh, when he, he interviewed for the part with Ron Howard, they they kind of you know sat and did a reading, and they uh, well he, he said because number one he he was worried he was always worried he's going to get fired. And he said that that uh, the studio, Ron Howard said, the the studio thinks you're fine, but they don't think Daryl Hannah's right for the part. I think she's perfect for the part, but they you know have someone else that, that they want to have in mind. So he goes, I really need you to read with her, so that they can see the chemistry that this movie is going to work. And he said, the entire time when he was interviewing, you know, when, when he was like doing the screen test with her, he kept thinking they're going to fire me. They're going to fire me. They you know they're going to say, well, she's okay. Yeah, but we like her. But you know, he's going. He, he is any good. I think it's important to note that the uh, production studio, which was Touchstone Pictures, this was Disney Movies, you know, the Disney conglomerate corporation. This was their this was their step into the adult sort of adult. It was the area. first one, yeah. yeah. And so this was, I think, this was the first. Was it the first Disney movie ever? You know, a part of the Disney Corporation to get a PG rating. I think it was, yeah. And, you know, it had brief nudity in it, and it was... So this was, you know, Disney was taking a chance here with with putting this out, putting this movie out there. Even though it had a low budget, they didn't put a lot of money behind it. I think they were... They, there was a little bit of skepticism as far as, well, should Tom Hanks play the leading character, or should he play the wise-cracking brother? Which he wanted to play, yeah, he but Ron Howard thought he should play, the other, should play the role that he did play. Yeah. Tom thought he was better suited as the wise-cracking sidekick versus the lead. He didn't see himself as a leading man at this point. Right, right, exactly. A you know, little side note with Ron Howard is that he actually turned down um, uh, Mr. Mom to do this film, and he also turned down Footloose. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> so Mr. Mom, I, I, I don't think it was a huge drop. It was probably pretty even yeah. level for that, but Footloose, I had... Until I researched this, I had no idea that he was even up for directing that. No idea. How that would have turned out, I, I don't know. Ron Howard's brilliant. It probably would have been great, but, you know, interesting. So Splash kind of opens up Tom Hanks' career. And, uh, you know, as we'll talk about here in the next, you know, five, six, seven years, he's he's working a lot. Right. He goes from somebody that he said was auditioning. He didn't have audition anymore. He said he was now having projects brought to him. Yeah, and so he actually did have another movie that was released in 84, a, a favorite of ours, Yeah, uh, Bachelor Party, where he played Rick Gasco. He played a, a school bus driver 
who has a, a beautiful fiance that they're getting married and she comes from a very wealthy family. The wealthy family disapproves of him. They would rather to see Debbie, who is played by Tawny Katane. Tawny Katane. Now, now, who's Tawny Katane? Uh, where do you start? Uh, she's known mostly if anybody is part of Gen X playback or you know the Gen X era. Think of the White Snake videos mm-hmm. and the uh, the David Coverdale uh, White Snake. Um, Here I go again on my own, uh, where she's on top of the cars. Doing that is the, what which is most doing the for, yeah. somersaults and the you know dancing around on the cars. And she was briefly married to David Coverdale and just recently passed away. She uh, did pass I, away. I did see that. Chuck but. Finley, the major league pitcher. She was married to him yes. and also had a brief relationship with O.J. Simpson. Okay, so you know quite quite a, quite a life for Tony Katane. I don't know that she was in any other major movie. I mean, I don't know the Bachelor Party is considered a major movie, but you know, it was a it was a major, uh, uh, you know, studio release, uh, and she is one of the main roles. Absolutely, and it didn't do as well as what Splash did, but it was a movie that was made more or less on a shoestring budget for Hollywood standards. It cost seven million dollars to make, and it grossed thirty eight over $38 million at the box office. Again, not a blockbuster, but Tom Hanks is making money. You know, his, his, his movies are... And don't underestimate how important that was in that time period for people... You know, studios looked at actors and said, how bankable is he? And while he wasn't in the echelon that he was eventually to move into, he at least showed that as a lead character, his movies could bring in... Make make studios profits. Were they big profits? Yeah, Splash was a big profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bachelor Party, the movie made money. You know, the script was not necessarily the most complex in the world. It was funny. It was a funny movie, and uh, like I said, as teenagers, we we thought it was hilarious. It got a lot of play on cable TV, right? right which is where we saw it. Yeah, and so it was it was it was a nice it was a good campy movie for especially for teenage boys. When that movie came out, I was 16 years old. The movie was made for 16-year-old boys. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, 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 was, it was destined to be rented. It, it, so I wonder how much money was actually made later on just in, in video sales because that was something where you got a group together. It, it, it was not unlikely that you were going to find Bachelor Party among the stack of videos that was rented. Yeah. And then in 19... So in 1985... You can start to see him try to change his, uh, you know, his characters a little bit. He, again, two movies in 85, The Man with One Red Shoe and Volunteers. Mm-hmm. Now, The Man with One Red Shoe is a little bit of a sort of a political uh, sci you know, uh, not sci-fi. Kind of a spy. Yeah, kind of a yeah. spy type movie. And then CIA. And then Volunteers is a period piece, which goes back to the early 60s. But again... Very similar Tom Hanks type character where he starts to develop, like you said, with you know the Steve Gutenberg Tom Hanks type character where he is a guy who has a love interest. He is trying to overcome, what do they say, an ordinary guy overcoming extraordinary circumstances. That was, I think those were his words as, yeah, that's kind of what I got typecast. That's what he was supposed to be. An ordinary guy facing extraordinary circumstances. So when you're in The Man with One Red Shoe, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to overcome a, um, a conspiracy between, you know, uh, like you said, a spy thriller. Yeah, he's, it, in The Man with One Red Shoe, he is the victim of circumstance where there's 
there's a power struggle going on in the CIA between the director and the deputy director, and they're each you know vying for power, and they're trying to sabotage one another, and so to throw the the one off the trail, they randomly pick somebody at the airport. Well, Tom Hanks happens to have had a prank played on him where he had to wear one dress shoe, one foot, and one red sneaker on the other foot. So that's why he's the man with one red shoe. That's the that is who they they put as the target basically through the movie. Most of the movie, Tom doesn't even know what's going on around him. He's this concert uh, violinist, is just leading his life, and the people that are telling him think that his everything is a code. You know, so the the orchestra music's a code, and and so he's and just you know it's kind of a you know this happy go lucky guy throughout the movie, right? Not even knowing what's happening, right? And uh, you know, it was one of those. Uh, again, one of those movies where he's kind of taking a little, trying to go in a different direction, and but yet the the premise of who his character is, the essence of his character, is still kind of similar. Like I said, the ordinary guy in extraordinary uh, situation. Volunteers also came out the same year. Although, would you uh, say he's an ordinary guy in Volunteers? I mean, he's he's the well, the, uh, the the Yale educated upper crust Lawrence born the third Yale class of 62. He says all the time throughout the film. He, he, yes, he is. And, and again, this is a movie where he's reunited with John Candy, mm-hmm. where Candy comes back in as, you know, Tom kind, Tuttle, kind of the, the, from Washington, from Washington state. <laughs> and so it's early sixties. He's graduating from Yale. He is a degenerate gambler yes. and he racks up a huge gambling debt. I believe it's like $28,000. Mm-hmm. So his father has told him, played by George Plimpton. George no Plimpton, other, uh, the, uh, the, the paper tiger. The, the famous, very famous author. But his dad tells him, I'm not going to pay your debt. So in order to escape from people who are going to hurt him, he poses as his college roommate and joins the Peace Corps. Right. So he ends up going to, you know, remote. Uh, remote Thailand. Yeah, remote place in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Ends up meeting... Uh, a woman who he falls in love with during the movie, who evidently he falls in love with outside of the movie because Rita Wilson ends up becoming his his wife. Although two years later, because he's yeah. still married to somebody else at the yeah. time. But right. it does make it kind of interesting when you watch the movie and some, you know, because there 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 he falls in love as you say. So early on, that's not the case. And there's at the end, you know, they're looking into each other's eyes and expressing love, and you kind of think now. I kind of wonder what was going on at yeah. the time. You know, they, obviously there probably was something happening, but the I, I rewatched this movie here just the other week as we were getting ready for this podcast. It's it it has its moments. It's I think it's definitely worthwhile watching again. It it is today what it was back then. It's it it's not going to win any Academy Awards. It's got its funny moments, and for me, one of the funniest moments was when you. Uh, the, the the character that that appears out of nowhere, who's who's hot for for a, a minute here, and I want to get the name right. So it, it's uh, Getty Watanabe, who plays Atune, who is known much better from a year before he was in Sixteen Candles as Long Duck Dong, and, and it's he is just as funny in this movie, uh, you're playing the sidekick for Tom Hanks, uh, you know, as he was playing Long Duck Dong in Sixteen Candles, you know, I. Didn't do as much after that, but for those couple of years, he, he was definitely hot. He actually ended up having a recurring role on uh, ER. Oh, that's right. He was yeah. he played one of the nurses on ER. So this was probably Hank's, you know, he comes off the success of Splash and, and arguably Bachelor Party. 85, 
it wasn't those two movies did not do very well at the box office so you're looking at the man with one red shoe uh, that was a fairly you know expensive budget at 16 million dollars the movie pulled in less than nine at the box office so it lost money and it's not a movie that gets played in rotation on cable tv so no. it did not it did not recoup and then volunteers uh it did make money but not much it had a budget of 10 million to made 20 at the box office so we're not and again these two movies you have to look you have to go and find them they're not going to find you on television right exactly it's you know that you you'll have the the same movies over and over again you know we'll talk about some of his big hits in the 90s it, you can't escape them on just on you know tbs or uh you know tnt or, or what have you but it is you know these movies need to be sought out at like I said, I, I think some of them are worthwhile. Man with Ron, Ron Ritchie, eh. But I, I thought Volunteers was okay. But this is kind of the, the period where, as you said, you know, what, what he's saying, he's he's just getting work. And, and he's, to me, just from a, being an actor, he's he's playing a part. He's, you know, he's not necessarily engaging and, you know, what we're going to see some of the dramatic rules that he plays later on. He's He's playing Tom Hanks in these movies. And there's... You know, and Volunteers obviously did a little bit better, so there's a little bit of ka-ching. And he probably plays more of the Tom Hanks character in Volunteers than he did with The Man with One Red Shoe. But at this point, you know, the studio is probably saying, all right, this guy has something. So, you know, with the next movie, it's going to be important for him to you know, have some success. So he has, he has a good bounce back with The Money Pit that came out in 1986. Co-starred with Shelley Long, who at the time was pretty hot with uh, Cheers, coming off of Cheers, and she left to start a movie career of her own. She didn't have as much success in movies as she did in TV, but at this point, it was a pretty good crossover for her and to be teamed up with Tom Hanks. They play a couple. They're not married, um, but they are living together, and they decide to buy. They basically get swindled into buying this this great big house, um, and it turns out that the sweet little old lady wasn't as sweet as, as it was indicated, and she basically ripped them off, and the house is falling apart. So they're trying to get the house put back together, they, they start to fight. There's tension between them. They split up. They get back together again. Of course, at the end of the movie, they end up getting married in front of, you know, the house is fully restored. So it's a happy ending. Right. Typical, you know, for Tom at the time. But it did it did do well at the box office. It did rake in $55 million. So it was, it was a much needed, you know, it, it's very critical when you're talking about music, when you're talking about movies. And, you know, even Tom Hanks, in an interview I read with the New York Times, He's like, you know, it's the business. It's like, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're Tom Hanks. We want Tom Hanks. Then he goes, we want Tom Hanks. We want the next Tom Hanks. We want a young Tom Hanks. Who's Tom Hanks? Right. He says, that's how quickly it can go on you. So those are right from his, from his mouth. And it's very important to, to come back with something that, as you've said earlier, makes money. They don't necessarily need to be huge successes, but they had to make money because, very few movies make money. It's it's you know kind of a, a little known fact that the vast majority are losers, and there's a reason why people act in movies disappear and we never see them again. And there's also a reason why you know as we later on move forward with some of the the Disney films that he does, like the Toy Story films, when you do those movies, they're almost like money makers because yeah. the the children the, those geared towards families. Surprisingly, you know we talked about in the television episode. When you can gear it towards the entire family, you have 
a much bigger audience. You know, you're not just going like the, the husband and the wife, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the, the, the friends going out to a movie. You're taking everybody and you're buying popcorn and, and you're buying drinks. It, you know, this is the ideal and he eventually gets to that. But right now he's still kind of locked into a little more of that rated R, the, um, you know, the not quite romantic comedies. I mean, he, he's coming off some of like, you know, the, the movies like The Bachelor Party, which are definitely for, you know, the, the younger 20-year-olds and the teenagers. So he's getting a little more mature, but still, he's not quite out of that yet. He's still the adolescent male. Right. Yeah. But give him credit. And the next movie that we're going to talk about here is Nothing in Common, which is a movie that he did with Jackie Gleason. Mm-hmm. It ended up, ended up being Jackie Gleason's last movie before he passed away, which is when you think about the brevity of the movie itself... This is really, in in my opinion, if you want to go back and watch a Tom Hanks movie that maybe you've never seen before, I would highly recommend this one of of the movies that he did in the 80s that I think are, are kind of the gems that, you know, it had to come out at a later time when he was more popular. I think it would have done much better at the box office. But this is a movie that I that I did recently get an opportunity to watch. It's a good movie, and it has... It's basically a story of um, Jackie Gleason plays his father, and he is um, he taking chi- he's, he tells children's clothes. He's a salesman. Yes, and they are uh, he's working on an advertising commercial. Well, well, Tom, Tom is yes. So he he Tom's a big time advertising executive. He's you know he he kind of plays his age right. at this point. So he's roughly twenty eight years old or so. Yeah, you know around thirty. And, you know, Jackie Gleason, as you said, who it's his last film, Jackie dies a year later at like 71. So they, they are playing kind of the right ages. And the, the idea is Jackie is kind of this washed up, you know, fired. He gets fired in, in the movie. He's very sad it, as, as a salesman. He loses his job. Well, his son, who he wasn't really involved in the son's life, he, the son is this rising star. Mm-hmm. And during the film... You know, Tom Hanks, once again, he's playing this character that is the kind of a womanizer. He's, right. he's, he's going from woman to woman. He's got this, this one friend of his from high school, this girl that they're kind of friends with, but, he, you know, it's not his romantic interest. He keeps coming back to her. But the, the idea is, you know, in a way, Tom is a young version of Jackie Gleason just waiting for it to happen. And what he's watching is that his parents' relationship has fallen apart right. at this point. So mom and dad have split, and it turns out that dad wasn't very good to mom. No. And they're trying to uh, rebuild re- or trying to restart a relationship that really wasn't very good for, for many, many years. And at the end of the movie, um, he ends up foregoing what could have been a big step in his career with one of the advertisers and ends up going to the hospital to be with his dad while he's getting, uh, I think it was a toe amputated. Actually, it was like a whole foot because he had, he had diabetes that he wasn't taking care of. Right, wasn't taking care and of himself. And there's a really good scene. And you know, I, I'm going to, you know, like I said, it's been out since 1986. So right. it's it's worthwhile even if I tell you what happens. It, you know, there's a scene where he takes his dad out to this jazz club because, you know, his, his dad loves jazz music. And is you know, there it's like two, three o'clock in the morning and, you know, his dad's still dancing around and he, when he took him there, you know, he, he, he wore slippers. And so he's like, he can't find, he's can't find his one slipper. He goes looking for a slipper. He goes to put it on his dad's foot and his dad's feet are just terrible. 
and then he, he realizes how bad he is. He takes him back to the hospital immediately, and they end up having to amputate his foot. Right. So it is. There is some kind of a connection there at the end of the movie between him, him and his dad, and his, both of his parents. But I, I do recommend this is a this is a movie that, even though it was kind of under the radar when it came out and has been for many years, I I, I would recommend people. Jackie Gleason's really good at it. Yeah, he plays. Yeah, he's played some very over the top characters, particularly when you think about you know the honeymooners. And you think about when he was Buford T. Justice in the Burt Reynolds and Smoking the Bandit movies. Yeah, oh, I, very, I loved him as Buford T. Justice. It's very, but he was a very normal, uh, just, and maybe that's why the movie didn't do as well as what people thought, because these characters were different. Tom Hanks was not the same Tom Hanks, you know, jumping around, you know, happy-go-lucky guy from Bachelor Party. Jackie Gleason's not Buford T. Justice. So these, they're, they're playing different characters. And I think this this role for him sort of stepped him out into a in a direction where he's not playing a typecast character. Even though, like you said, he does play a, a guy who's kind of off the rails personally, like he can't get himself. But part of the reason of the movie is that there's he's learning why he can't tune into a relationship because of the way of his parents being together. So yeah, right. It, and I think it's good that you say that about you know it's different from his other roles. So it probably wasn't as well received at the time. I think it did okay, but it wasn't necessarily a big deal. And I would have been an example of that. I did not see it at the time. It To me, I liked the Tom Hanks and Bachelor Party in 1986 when this movie came out. That's the character I like to see. So if he was going to be in something serious, I wasn't interested. Yeah, I can't, I can't say I saw this movie when it came out. I probably may have seen it first time ever in the 90s maybe mid to late nineties. This was after I was married and probably had a kid or two. Right. So, uh, I think I've, I've seen it twice. Um, once in my, uh, late twenties, early thirties, and then just not too long ago. So, but again, recommend that nothing in common 1986. He also had another movie come out in 86 and this has the, uh, historical notion of being the l- movie that made the least amount of money in Tom Hanks's career. But I think, there's a explanation as to why he decided to do this movie. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I know the details of the film. But go ahead. So he said that he signed on to do, uh, you know, when he signed to do this movie, which is time, which was called every time we say goodbye, where he plays, this is again, another time period piece. You're going back to before the United States engages in world war two. So he's actually an American pilot flying for the Royal, uh, Royal Air Force. Royal Air Force. The, the RAF, which, as they called it in the film. Which is what a lot of uh, American pilots did, um, which not too many people know about. But there were quite a few American pilots that went over and fought for the British because that's how the British stayed in World War II was through the air. They didn't have ground the ground trips to go after the uh, the Nazis at the time. So this was the only way that they could keep was to keep the skies clear. And they did that with pilots. Right. And I think, if I remember correctly, he, he enters the RAF through Canada to be able to because you know with, with Canada uh, Canada's connection to Great Britain and that allowed him to become part of the RAF and he says when he when he you know uh, early in the film that you know part of the reason why he had to do it was because his father's a pacifist right so the movie movie did not do well at the box office uh, again he falls in love with somebody but it, this this movie's a little bit different because the woman that he falls in love with does not love him back or she can't love him back because of their families being so different. She's from Israel. He's from America. 
and he's a Gentile, she's Jewish. Yes, and I mean that's one of the main reasons. So they never do. There, there ever, there isn't that happy ending at the end of the movie where the the guy and the girl fall in love. That never, that doesn't happen in this movie. And not too many people saw that happen because it only did about two hundred seventy-eight thousand dollars at the box office. Um, again, the lowest uh, revenue that he ever made in one movie. Well, think about it. If you're eighteen-year-old uh, uh, Sean, you're not seeing this movie because I, I want to see Bachelor Party, Tom Hanks. So you know, you take my whole uh, group out of it. If you want that romantic. Um, happy ending which is kind of generally what he's done even if you took a, a movie like volunteers with rita wilson at the end of the movie you could probably could have predicted that they were going to get together and then they did and everybody's happy and this was not that movie i think this was would have been a, a project that he would have turned down in later life because he said that he was offered this movie immediately after splash so this was before he did any anything else he was offered the movie right after Splash, and he said, at that point, I was saying yes to everything. So if they offered me a movie, and they said, you don't have to audition, I'm taking it. Right. So you have to kind of keep that into consideration when, when he does that movie. Uh, so he did, um, uh, the movie cost $3.7 million, did two hundred seventy eight grand at the, at the box office. But 1987 had a nice little turnaround for him with his next movie. He does. He comes back with a remake of a, an old television show called Dragnet, where Tom Hanks uh, stars as as Pep Strebeck, but he's not the main star. The main star is Dan Aykroyd, who revises the, the Joe Friday character. Um, for those of you who kind of remember seeing clips of the old uh, uh, Dragnet show, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd does is, is I believe he's the nephew, supposed to be Joe yes. Friday's nephew yep. in in the episode. And he does a really good impersonation does a great job. Of, of Joe Friday. Does a great job. It's something where it was pretty it, it, I liked it at the time. I mean it, it was it kinda I didn't see it in the theater, but I I think I saw it um on cable. And I, I liked it. it. had a music video, City of Crime. If you go on YouTube you can watch Dan uh, Dan Aykroyd and uh, Tom Hanks dance to City of Crime. MTV got really behind this movie. They did. And to the point where they used to show dra old Dragnet TV reruns. And you and I watched yeah. them. We watched that, them. That's would, how I know about it. They Dragnet. would be on late at night. It was like after 11 o'clock. Yeah, MTV it, would show Dragnet reruns. They also showed like Gumby and stuff like that too. But Dragnet reruns got us sort of, and I think it inspired, had a lot to do with the, the inspiration of the movie and the, and the remake. But Aykroyd did the screenplay. And this one was uh, from at in terms of the box office, this got him back up into the splash uh, realm in terms of box office success. So again, he's 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 not the leading character, like you said, he's more of the the sidekick, which I think at this time he still probably feels more comfortable with, even though he's done some leading roles. But he's great as Pep Strebeck. He it's is. Just, you know, he's just uh, he's just he's funny. And it's sort of you're going back to that Rick Gasco bachelor party type mm -hmm. guy, where he's got a different girlfriend or a different going out with a different girl every single night, and he's just uh, loose and lovable, I guess you could say. Another movie that part that could have been played by Steve Gutenberg at that time. It, it's you know very similar character. The but you know Tom Hanks does a really good job with this character being the young, hip, um, annoying. 
sidekick to Dan Aykroyd's Friday, who is the straight lace. I wear a tie. I wear pressed trousers. I have a buzz cut. Uh, you know, I go by the book to this, you know, uh, remember the, where, um, you know, Strebeck shows up and he's got long hair and he's got, has a do-rag on and, you know, Aykroyd reads him like the rules verbatim, how you're supposed to dress. And it, you know, the, the contrast was, was really funny and they, they did a good job playing off of each other. It, it, it definitely got Tom Hanks back to where he needed to be. It did. Now, also a little side note with that is I, I heard him interviewed. Um, and the interview was like back in, the, it was in 93. And he said, and he's, he's talking to Letterman. And he said that when he, that he, he, at that point in 93, he had figured out acting. Not, I mean, that sounds conceited, but he, he finally figured out how to be an, an, you know, a, a movie actor. Because it's a different type of uh, skill than is needed for when you're a, a television actor, and 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 Letterman goes, well, when did you figure that out? He goes, after Dragnet. Okay, that was the moment, and you can kind of see he kind of shifts his style a little bit. He goes from being that really funny, young, wise, wisecracking guy to more of a well-rounded actor, and it's probably important for him to do that because he's in his thirties now, and. It's kind of like when we talked about in our '70s show, when we talked about you know the the you know some of the kid actors, you lose your cuteness, and it's going to be really tough for you to stick around. At some point, you're not going to be that charming, funny, uh, you know, guy that's hitting on the girls. You're the creepy guy hitting on the girls. <laughs> so it's kind of good. I mean, it was a good career move for him to finally pivot, but for Dragnet to be his last role, kind of as that character, this was a good one. And I think his next character, although the, it didn't do particularly well at the box office, I think it sort of introduced him the complexity of of who of what he can do on screen. The next movie is Punchline that he that he did. Uh, big co-star Sally Field, who she had a great career of her own, and at this point they are they're, they're two stars. I mean Sally Sally Field arguably is the bigger star between the two. Because she's had the longer career. Now you have punchline. See, I have big next, as far as the release. Okay, I had in in order. I had uh, punchline. I mean, first. It's, I mean, look, if that's fine. I mean, okay. so if anyone's listening, we don't know. Okay, <laughs> it's going to come same down year. To, it's the same year. Same year. Yeah. Okay. So punchline, he plays a uh, a, a medical student who does stand up comedy on the side, and he is really good at it. He's a really good stand. He turns out he's a natural. But and, he's not a natural medical student. But no, he's not. In, he's struggling, but he's doing it because his parents. Because his dad's a doctor his, and his brother's a doctor. Yeah, and it, it's, it's what he's supposed to be doing, but he, he doesn't like doing it. So he's actually had a couple of opportunities to make it to the next level as a stand-up comedian. And he's kind of bombed. It, it, he, he choked. You know, he, he didn't have his best performances. Sally Field, on the other hand, is a house, housewife. And she just loves comedy, and she is, doesn't start out very good at it at all. And the two of them meet. He's he's kind of the, I would say he's probably the star of the club. Mm-hmm. She's starting at the ground up. He kind of takes an interest in her, and she's, uh, you know, he's coming to terms with the fact that he doesn't want to be a doctor, and she's struggling with her at home relationship with her husband and family and what she wants to do with her life. It's kind of a complex movie, which may be why it didn't necessarily do quite so well at the box office. But in terms of character development, I think this is a big step forward for him. I agree. And it's the, the movie has some awkward moments intentionally where they're, they're in the club, especially 
he has a meltdown on stage uh, at one time, and it, it's uncomfortable to watch. And I think that shows what a good actor that that he he is. You know, this, he wasn't a stand-up comedian. He, Tom Hanks is was and is a funny guy, but he never did stand-up. So there's there's a different skill to being a stand-up comedian and just a funny person, and you know, who's just quick off the cuff and, and do the the one-liners where there's a skill to get up in front of an audience. And I, I heard Tom talk about how he got ready for this role. And he actually would go on and try to do some sets at some of the comedy clubs. And, you know, Paulie Shore's mom, Mitzi, mm-hmm. you know, is the famous, uh, was it Catch a Rising Star? Star. Yeah. yeah. And he said, she wouldn't let me go on. And she's like, well, he's not funny, you know? And it's like, and, and so he had to like, like get like off hours and, you know, he would go up there and, you know, this, he's, he's a star at this point. He goes up there and he's still, he says, I'm out of material in like two minutes. And, you know, because I go so fast and it's, I'm just out. And so that it, you know, you kind of have to like get over that a little bit in the movie, you know, that it's Sally Fields and Tom Hanks as, yeah. as the comedians. Yeah. So it, it's a little canned. I, it, uh, like some of the humor, it, it, it doesn't necessarily come across as funny as, you know, you know, they're portraying it to be. But as far as you say, like the character development and how he is as, as in this particular role, he, he's good. Yeah. Which leads us to our next movie, and this is really the big, big breakout movie for for Tom Hanks, which is big, which comes out in 1988, and this is this is what takes him from, from as a movie star. What a great movie! One of my one of my favorite favorite movies of all time is is this movie in his his portrayal of uh, Josh Baskin in uh, in Big, and just what he did as a, as a young kid. And again, we, we're going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but I'm sure most of you have. But you're talking about a um, you know a 12-year-old kid who is a little bit undersized. He, he we, can't get on the, uh, the the one ride. Even you know he, he likes girls, but you know, he's very awkward. Has a best buddy, so because he, he was too short to get on the ride, the super loops. He goes to this uh, wishing machine and wishes that he could be big. And that's what he asked for. And, and he goes to Zoltar. Yep. He wants to go to Zoltar and he wishes that he could be big. Next morning he wakes up and he's a 30 something year old guy. And so he, uh, with this childlike mind, he ends up going into New York city and, uh, becomes an executive within a week. He, becomes, <laughs> he starts at the ground level working next to John Lovitz in the, uh, in the, in the typing room, uh, putting in purchase orders he goes to the ends up meeting the owner of the toy store in the weekend as he's going around mm-hmm. there playing with the toys, and then becomes a uh, vice president in charge of uh, toy development. Uh, but it's a great it's a great movie um, directed by Penny Marshall, and we're you know him and Penny team up again for another huge movie in a few years after this. But one of to me you know if you want to rank like some of my favorite movies of all time, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm not going to disagree. I I love this movie. It, this was one uh, this this was a Hanks movie that I saw in the theater. Uh, you know, prior to this, I probably was watching everything either on cable or on rental. I, I I don't think I saw any any of his previous movies actually in the theater. This one was so popular. I, I you know I remember seeing it with a group of people and absolutely loving it. And it is something that still stands the test of time. I I can watch this over and over again. Yeah, Tom Hanks actually got uh, nominated for an Academy Award. This was his first Academy Award nomination. He didn't win, uh, but he went up against some pretty good competition back in the day. 
I believe uh, Robin Williams was also nominated at the same time for uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So this this was a big, and even Robin Williams didn't win that year. So that you're talking about some some pretty big names for for acting, but. Again, one of one of our favorite movies of all time, which is big and and, and and what's interesting about this to just you know if we consider and say, oh yeah, he did a great job, but if you go back and watch this movie again, the way he as an adult portrays a twelve year old boy mm-hmm. is incredible. Just like his face, how he shows this innocence when there's this scene. I, I, I always remember it where him and his buddy are filling out the job application okay. in, in the lobby. And they, they, you know, they're, they're like asking like, oh, social security number, what's that? And, and his buddy rolls off the number, he goes, goes, what's that? He goes, oh, it's my locker code. And it's like, it's, it's only like, you know, five digits. It's, 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 it's not enough. And he, you know, so, but he's just like, so naughty, innocent. And then they, and then they, they, they call him back like, well, your son will have to stay out here. And they're like, like, son, because <laughs> it's his best friend. Yeah. And but you bought it that he was like a twelve year old boy reacting that way. I think for me, the, one of the one of the really big ep- moments is where he, him and his buddy are they get the apartment, mm-hmm. and his buddy leaves and goes home, and he's in there by himself for the first time, and it's dark, and he hears I think a gunshot outside the window, and you, you can see the fear in his face, right, and you. F- at that moment, you really thought, "Hey, this 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 is a twelve year old kid being by himself for the very first time in his life," because he always had his you know how he's had his mom around. Yeah, and in the movie, Elizabeth Perkins plays the love interest Susan, and then there's this whoa moment where they they go back to the apartment, and she opens the door, and it's a twelve year old paradise in there, and there's a pinball machine. He's got a Pepsi machine rigged up where you can. I think he throws a shoe at it or something. He asks her if she wants a soda, and hey, I don't. I have it rigged up where you don't need any money. And then he pulls out, the, and then they have a trampoline, mm-hmm. and then they're bouncing around on the trampoline. It, it, it's it, it's kind of interesting because in the movie, Tom Hanks is a twelve-year-old in a thirty-year-old body, and then you have uh, Susan, the the character Susan, who's kind of this jaded thirty-year-old adult, and in a way, the Josh makes her more childlike and, and brings innocence back to her. Yep. Agreed. So though, let's move on because we're, uh, we're, we're already at an hour here. So let's, let's move on. Uh, 1989. Um, he started a movie called the burbs and this was really a different character for him. Again, not so successful at the box office, but it did make money. It's about a guy who was thinking of all these conspiracies that were going on in his neighborhood and he was, um, uh, again, it was not something, a guy who stays home from work for a week, week's vacation, and all of a sudden he notices all these creepy things that are going on in his neighborhood. I didn't know if you wanted to comment on that. Uh, you know, it, it's not a movie that I, I think I ever watched from start to finish. It's something that I think I, uh, it was on cable a couple of times. I started watching it, ah, it's not for me. Okay. The other movie that he did in 89 is uh, my wife Amy's, one of her favorite movies, which is Turner and Hooch. She loved this movie, I remember. Uh, he plays a, a police detective in a small town, which is kind of dull because there's never any crime. And then it uh, turns out there is a crime that occurs right before he's supposed to take a bigger job in a bigger city. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he gets teamed up with this dog, which is a, a pit bull, Hooch. And they, uh, you know, he ends up solving a big crime in his in his hometown and ends up staying there. But it's kind of a buddy movie, although it's a little different because the buddy happens to be a dog who he hates at first. But it's, you know, it's a fun movie. 
he plays a very serious straight laced guy. He's not the goofy person. This time he's super serious. And the goofy part of the movie is the dog. But it worked, you know. It was it was it was a fun movie, and like I said, it's one of my wife's favorites. And he comes across, you know, he's the movie really portrays him strongly as being OCD, and it starts where he's lining everything up perfectly, yeah, kind of germaphobic. He's a germaphobe, and then he gets this slobbering dog. So, yeah. and it, you know, it's predictable, but it it's it's not a bad movie to uh, to watch. I mean, it's it's got you know, like you said, Amy Amy's a big fan of it, so it's it's got its high points. If you're looking for where he's going to win an Academy Award, probably not Turner and Hooch, but definitely an enjoyable hour and a half or so. We want to thank you for joining us for part one of our conversation on the movie career of Tom Hanks in the '80s and '90s. Join us next week as we move from '80s movies to '90s Tom Hanks movies. We hope you enjoyed our conversation so far. We hope you'll join us again next week for another edition of Gen X Playback. I'm Scott. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks.